it's all brand new. You know, I think we started writing it almost exactly a year ago to the release date, which is pretty quick. Um, and it was mainly down to like, I wanted to make something, I, fi I figured that once once lockdown had happened, that was basically the end of that world that we were, we'd been in, it was over, you know, it's finished. It's kind of, now we're in a new world. And that any script that you had that was about that old world and all the stuff about that old world is kind of over and dead, you know, and everything had to be moving forward from that position. So, uh, and I've always wanted to make stuff that had that contemporary edge, but also that if I'm making horror, I want it to be political and, and but also deal with real life things around us, which is something that I'd gotten from reading George Romero interviews. You know, this is something that horror does. It, it's a way, it's a, it's a prism for looking at what's happening to us in the moment, you know? And it's, it's weird, it's like people talk about pandemic movies, but this is just a movie about now. This is actually this is it. <laughs> this is happening, you know. So there was that that side of it, and that and what I wanted. The other things that had kind of gone into it was that I wanted to make another horror film. I wanted to go back to make something that was in relationship to the other movies that I've made, like Field in England and, and Kill List. I was looking at kind of my relationship as well to what folk horror was, you know, and what how what had been become since Kill List because I'd made films that were seen as folk films, folk horror movies, but I'd made them kind of automatically almost without knowing. It was more about a kind of un, my own understanding of what it was to be British rather than it was a specific thing about cinema, you know what I mean? But this movie is more about that of trying to understand, you know, within it you have kind of a position of kind of magic and and folk and in a position of science and then that these things are merged over the top of each other. Can you feel him now? In the earth? No, I don't know what you mean. I think you do. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. This week, Eco Unfriendly. We're talking about <laughs> eco horror this week. Um, a more robust subgenre than one might think. We've certainly talked about movies in the past that could be considered eco horror, um, but we have two brand new releases from this year. I'm pretty excited about both of these movies, and I think they're both definitional eco-horror. There is no question, although I think they both draw from influences, um, a wide variety of influences. These are both very solidly in the eco-unfriendly realm. Uh, Kevin, you want to tell us about the first movie? We're starting out with In the Earth, which is Ben Wheatley, who did Kill List, Sightseers, A Field in England. He's a very interesting director, one that I love. I love the movie Kill List. Uh, Trent, did we talk about that on a Patreon episode? Am I remembering that correctly? We did talk about Kill List. I love that movie. You have to see Kill List from 2011. I think it's a rental right now. Um, love Kill List. And I think it's uh, a field in England. Right. Yeah, Robert. Uh, so <laughs> the IMDb description says, as the world searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, a scientist and park scout venture deep in the forest for a routine equipment run. Per usual, IMDb is just not right. Basically, In the Earth tells the story of Martin, who IMDb is right. The world is in a pandemic. They never really quite explain it. But Martin is traveling very deep into these woods so that he can go find Olivia, who was a colleague and apparently a pen pal and, I guess, potentially a, a past romantic interest. She has been out there trying to study the validity of the soil for crops, for better crops, more sustainable crops, and has been reaching out to him to maybe come and visit her. So he gets to a checkpoint in the forest and he meets the park scout Alma, who was played by Elora Torchia, who was Connie in Midsummer, and I was very happy to see her get an expanded role in this movie because Connie is sort of like gone pretty quick in Midsummer. And while they're traveling, Martin hasn't been quite truthful about how his physical conditioning is they are he's slow he's having a difficult time and at some point during the trip they meet a man named zach who after martin and alma are attacked martin loses his shoes so they both lose their shoes martin is injured 
Both of these movies have fucking foot things that we need to get real deep into. And Zach mm. doesn't quite end up to be who they thought he was going to be. And then eventually they do reach Olivia, where they discover that she is actually out there studying something called like the micro my, microizel. I don't know. Did There's all a lot of, you of have ecological mumbo jumbo in both of these movies. But essentially, Olivia thinks that she is talking to Mother Nature. And in typical Ben Wheatley fashion, this goes all over the map. It has a nice, like, occult touch to it. Uh, I think I like the second movie that we're going to talk about a little bit more than In the Earth. They're incredibly similar. But I really liked this as I kept watching it and kept, you know, researching a little little bit and and sort of watching the characters and picking up on little things. Um, I don't know. It's shot beautifully. There's a ton of great practical and, and VFX in this. Uh, What did you guys think? I didn't love this movie. It wasn't terrible, but it had a bit too much going on for me, I think, personally. Hmm. I'm not completely sure what was going on. Uh, Was there really some witchy force in the woods? Or was everyone just tripping on mushrooms too much and they went a little (laughs) crazy? I have no idea. The cat and mouse kind of like chase and escape thing with Zach was interesting because you weren't really sure what his motives were. Then Olivia comes in to play and you're trying to figure out if she's a baddie too. There were just a lot of elements and my little stoner brain was having a hard time following them, I think. Um, And then there was the actual visuals on the screen. I'd say there was about 20 minutes-ish of this movie that I had a literal hard time watching Mm. because of all the strobe lights and, like, the flashing that was going on. You know, they're using these lights to try and communicate with this witch or whatever they were trying to communicate with. And I'm sure it was intentional for them to to want to elicit like a stressful reaction from the viewer uh, but it was tough for me to to try and watch those scenes it, it got to the point where I had to just kind of have my hand like over the screen and just like reading the subtitles to kind of try to figure out what was going on because I just couldn't handle what was actually happening um, just like sensory wise um, it felt a little unnecessary to have that much of it in there. Like, I feel like you could have gotten that point across in like maybe like five to 10 minutes instead of for as long as they tried to like pull that out for. Um, I thought Alma was the only likable character in the whole movie. Everyone else was either stupid or crazy pants. I felt personally. Jeez, yeah. Pretty harsh considering what Martin went through. Listen, well, no, I'm, I'm, don't I'm even cat. get me started totally on Martin. Cat. Huh? Are you team cat right now, Kevin? I'm totally with you on that okay. take. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't want to say anything bad about around. Martin, but like he's like, hey, please don't cut off my toe. Hey, you don't have to cut those off. Hey, you know what? Why don't you back up? Like he could have easily kicked him in the face or like done something. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, also, the, the COVID-esque beginning of the movie kind of made no sense to the rest of it. Did it relate at all? I'm not sure. I have no mm. idea, wow. to be honest. I felt like that was just like in the beginning, and then it never really came up again that there was this huge pandemic virus thing going on. So that was just kind of weird to me. <laughs> um, as far as gore goes, the eyeball part <laughs> was a lot in a good way. Uh, <laughs> definitely, that was also a moment where I had to look away, not for like, you know, sensory moments, but just like eekness, you know? Um, same as the amputation scene. Oh my god! Which was so tense. That scene Ugh. was so tense because he kept being like, "Don't move, Bing." <laughs> oh, you moved. And then it's like, "Is this going to be it? Don't move, Bing." Oh no! Oh, one more time. So that part was definitely I, one of the most stressful moments. But I don't know. I didn't hate the movie. It's not like it was like the worst movie I've ever seen. But I just don't really have the urge to ever really watch this one again Hmm. I don't know there was a lot of the sort of mumbular jumbular that we were talking about but I like Ben Wheatley a lot I really love sightseers and recently he did this period movie called uh, Rebecca that was really good Um, and I expected more from this I think if it wasn't a Ben Wheatley movie I might have been less critical of it but there was a whole section in the middle for me that was really uh, like when they first met up with Olivia, it was like too long of like slowly 
losing trust of Olivia. Uh, it could have happened way faster. That whole section really dragged to me. But I don't know. It's okay. I, I think especially in, in comparison uh, to the other movie you're talking about, uh, the, the both the both of them like blur together for me a lot. And sometimes I even forget about which movie what happens in. <laughs> but uh, the gore was super good in this when it did happen. Um, the sewing up of the foot. I thought an mm. alternate title for this movie could just be the foot and maybe like go more <laughs> in that direction. Um, Cause I, I really don't like the, the whole foot pain thing and mm. both movies share the, the whole foot thing. Well, Dave, I, I, I don't know if you remember Friday. when I told you to check this out, you sent me like just a text and all it said was, this guy's poor fucking foot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's in the middle of watching it. But, you know, I liked it. I liked it a little bit. But uh, compared to Ben Wheatley's past work and juxtaposed with the other movie we we're going to talk about this week, I'm not as crazy about it. Um, it did have potential, but it didn't really hit for me. Wow, I'm surprised. I love this movie. This is like, this is one of my favorite movies of this year so mm. far, for sure. As soon as I finished this movie, I was like, oh man, I want to watch that again. This is going down as like kind of uh, a classic. This is like kind of like uh, the Reservoir Dogs of eco survivalist horror. Um, big fan of this movie. I, I was so excited to see this. Um, I had I had known about it, but I hadn't gotten around to it. And um, I thought that uh, all the acting in this the performances really i think both movies this week which have so much in common and i really yep. love the other movie too um both of them rest very much on the performances to me of the actors in this you couldn't do this if you didn't have really really good performances i could see this being really bad um i i think it's all about that um but i loved like how you know how much body horror was in this. Um, I loved the sort of like survivalist horror. I thought the pacing was really, really good. This movie is uh, like a pretty bare bones production. This was done, it was written and, and produced in under a year. Um, Wheatley had time between Rebecca, which you talked about, Dave, and some other stuff that he's doing bigger things. And he wanted to do this like immediate COVID response kind of movie. And they filmed this just last August over like two weeks. And, you know, somehow got it in front of uh, of us. So I was really impressed with how tight this movie is because they don't have a big crew. You don't have a big cast. Um, you don't have a, a bunch of money behind this. And you're trying to do it in the middle of a pandemic. So they had like restrictions during the production and stuff. Um, but I felt like to 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 do a movie as small as this is and have it paced so well where I thought it gave you. It gave you developments, it gave you plot points that moved the story, and it gave you development of character in just enough doses, like, it, with just enough time in between that I was really into the story, like, the whole way. Um, I think that Martin's journey in this movie is one of the most brutal that we've seen. The guy, the whole movie, like, I looked away many times from this. The whole movie is this poor guy, you know, it starts with a giant gash on his foot, a, a flapping giant gash, which you get plenty of looks at. Uh, and then it gets uh, sewn up with like a fish hook by some crazy guy in the woods. And you get a mm. good look at that. Uh, he's got a rash on his arm, like ringworm. It's like raised and itchy. Uh, then after the, the gash, uh, it gets infected and he gets his toes chopped off uh, in, in two blows with an axe. Uh, then later that has to be cauterized. So there's another whole oh, thing God. where somebody yeah. cauterizes the infection. Mm. Uh, his arm has been cut open and sewn with like pig hide or something that starts bonding with his flesh. And there's a little trinket in there. Zach puts like a little fish in the guy's arm or something like that. Uh, and then meanwhile, during all this, he's being drugged over and over again mm -hmm. and made to like trip and lose his mind. I, I could, I just, I couldn't believe this journey. It was so crazy. Um, I, I love this movie. This, this, I watched it a, a few times actually. This will be a classic for me. The part where he is, he drinks the psychedelic milk and he's just <laughs> trying to fight off Zach like so weak. <laughs> That, but I, I noticed that like both movies, and it might be a stylistic thing that is happening now, but did you notice they faded to black between a lot of the scenes? Mm -hmm. and I didn't notice that. The mm -hmm. pacing of this movie made me think that it would be a great series. 
Like sometimes they made that middle section yeah. there. If that was like an episode, I thought that too. I actually. would have you know gotten through it uh, you know differently. So maybe it was paced more like that because I didn't dislike the content of what's happening. It just felt like it took a little too long. But um, athlete's foot, like I've had athlete's foot before. This is kind of like maybe <laughs> proud. Like it's not like I have some gross foot thing. I'm I'm being taken over by mycelium. Like Earth's oldest creature, like it's very yeah. sci-fi now yeah. that I think about it. Joel Fry plays Martin, and if you watch Game of Thrones, you'll recognize him. The movie yesterday, and apparently he was in Disney's uh, Cruella most recently. So, hell of a filmography there in terms of uh, diversity. But I thought his acting was fantastic in this. But like we talk a lot on the show about like a lot of like useless dads in horror movies. I think it came up a lot on like the home invasion episode. It's come up a bunch. And I agree with Kat. Martin, he's played perfectly, but he is such an annoying character. Like I yes, Trent mm-hmm. definitely feel bad for him when like thing after thing after thing keeps happening to him, but like he's not really honest. Like when he gets to the lodge and starts his hike, then he does even less to like help himself or Alma, or when he does try to help Alma, it's like the exact opposite of what she asked him to do, and he just ends up putting himself in danger. Uh, and, you know, I, I agree, Dave, like the second that Haley Squires, who plays Olivia, shows up, it's like crazy eyes from from minute one. And it should have taken far less time to be like, hey, you think she's got it all together? And, I mean... About the time, crazy eyes aside, she busts out the book from like the 1400s or something. Mm-hmm. That's about when I would be like, huh, uh, maybe we want to like rethink this whole thing. Old book's a red flag. For mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I always want to see innards in movies. And you had some innards yeah. in this, like only just a flash of Martin falling onto the dead body. And of course, his hand goes yeah. right to the innards. Well, whose body was that? Some other guy that, you know, Zach had killed out there. I guess, but like. So he's just killing people? For I, what I didn't reason? Think that, um, I didn't think Dr. Wendell was like too given away. I, I, I liked the paranoia because Zach, you know, Zach's intentions are ambiguous at first. And then when they when they do meet up with Olivia, Dr. Wendell, her, she seems a little bit, I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I was wondering, I thought there was like a good amount of paranoia because you're wondering like if Dr. Wendell and Zach are even working together. Um, there's a lot of like mistrust that it kind of builds in. I thought that was um, effective. I thought it helped like toward the suspense, you know, that was like part of the like reservoir dogs thing. You didn't really know who was like, even, even Alma mm-hmm. or Martin, uh, who Martin certainly was hiding things. I don't really think he was like hiding anything important, but still, I just thought you were kind of like wondering who the most reliable narrator here is of the bunch, like the whole time. Yeah. And Z- I think my favorite character, at least like the, the one that I was sort of like the most impressed with Alma, obviously, as Kat said, is like the most empathetic and sympathetic character. But Zach is so good. Like, I, I don't know that I ha- recognize Reese Shearsmith. He's apparently in like Shaun of the Dead and World's End. Um, He's amazing. Small, in this. small roles. He's in a ton of stuff. He, if you look him up, he looks nothing like Zach. Like, this was definitely like a huge departure from how he typically looks. But he is so good in this movie. And the eye scene that you were talking about, the gibberish that he starts spewing at the end when she first gets him in the eye. And it's like, this is how accidents happen. Mm. Uh, and then like some random lines and like, you're going to need to take me to a hospital. And it like harkens you back to the, the toes scene that you were talking about, where speaking of the toes scene, by the way. Like, that wasn't even close to the injury on his foot, so I'm still struggling with how the amputation thing was justified. But anyway, we can get into that. What was he going to do? He was tied to a chair. What what did you want him to do? He wasn't tied. He he was was just sitting there. No, he was was tied. tied They were both tied to the chair and drugged. But like, yeah, no. What I what I'm saying is, what was Zach's justification oh, that none. the toes had to come off? None. Yeah. When the injury no. was yeah, far, I was expecting him to like chop his whole yeah. foot off. You know, and be like, "We got to save you." But instead, it's just like, I just feel like cutting some toes off today. That's what dude. I thought was so funny when they finally get to Doctor Wendell's camp. Like, oh, finally the same one, the doctor, and the first thing's just like, "We have to cauterize that foot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many operations can this guy have on one foot? The best actor in that part in the cauterization scene is Alma. 
because Dr. Wendell is just like matter-of-factly explaining it. Martin at this point has proven himself like so useless and just dejected. But the but when she first says it, she's like, "We're gonna have to cauterize this, Alma. You're gonna have to hold him." Alma goes into like this brilliantly acted like, "How much more can happen?" Like, look, and literally stays there. And I think this is actually maybe one of the fade to black scenes. But uh, as Doctor Wendell is getting everything ready to do the cauterization, she just looks at Alma again. And is like, "Alma, you have to hold him, Alma." And the way that Elora Torchia acts this whole thing, it, it seems subtle, but again, it's a, like you said, Trent, it's a testament to really small crew, really small cast, uh, very, very focused on them. Um, another testament to just how well the literal four-person cast holds the movie together. This wasn't as psychedelic as the next movie, but I really liked Cat. You mentioned like having some, um, yeah, the, like the strobe aversion, but I really liked all the not only like the strobe stuff and, and the disorienting sounds, but when the the mushroom mist is like surrounding them, surrounding the campsite, awesome. and mm-hmm. all the trippy. I loved all the trippy scenes in this. I thought they were really engaging. Like this is a great movie, in my opinion, to have on late at night, and you know, really late get, at night. Yeah, really, really? Get into the vibe. Yeah, because it's like it's it's oh. like uh, watching like the Doors or something. It's you know, <laughs> there's all this like trippy stuff that goes on, and um, when Alma gets dragged back through the the mist, the mushroom mist, it's like this hallucinogenic mist that uh, they try to get, they try to break through. It's kind of surrounding their camp. Um, I, I loved all that stuff. I just thought it looked so good, and it created like such a vibe. It just totally, totally sucked me in. I just thought it was just. It was a, just a bit too much. Like, I don't know. I think maybe it could have behooved them to maybe put like an epilepsy warning at the beginning of the film. I'm just like thinking of, you know, our friends out there who sure. might have epilepsy and they're trying to watch this movie. Right. And then all of a sudden they're seizing next to you and you're like, well, uh, I guess we shouldn't have watched this movie. I don't know. It just, it was a bit much and it was just overwhelming. It just didn't seem like, it just wasn't a fun movie experience for me hmm. like well, this that's now happening sorry to hear that we've yeah. got some some strobe lights coming on right now at Great. the studio thank you so much <laughs> Dave. the actor that plays zach you mentioned kevin i feel like has the most british name we've seen yet mr shearsmith mm. sounds like a baba very british cat complains he- about the strobe light but i just caught her staring into it I was. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've saw more uh, visually triggering stuff, like when we talked about Gaspar No. Well, I wasn't here for that episode. Oh, yeah. that's right. You I, were. Yeah. Oh, right. Gaspar No does it, but I thought True. this after a while was very cheap. It looked to me like an intro to like Coachella, like like <laughs> Travis Scott was going to come on. This is just like an intro, and you're just <laughs> sitting there waiting for an hour and fifty minutes for him to get on stage. Well, this is sad. This is sad. I, I, I expected everyone to like this movie way more. Um, this is on Hulu right now. Kevin, did you look up at all? Um, I was wondering if you got into The Hammer of the Witches, the book that is referenced in this, which is a real book, I think. Yeah, Malaeus Maleficarum. Sure. The Hammer of Witches. Yes, one of my favorite authors. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, well, actually, it's said to be written by Heinrich Kramer. And, it, I mean, this is a German book. It's real, done in 1486. Uh, I loved uh, Olivia's comments, like this, like how some of the pages are much older, got a little like Necronomicon for me. So I dug that, like one little throwaway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. this book exists. Um, there's other authors that it's said to be attributed to, but pretty much says Heinrich Kramer and the rest don't don't really um, take, take, take the, the other authors seriously. But it really was a big book. It reminded me of our trip to Salem and when we toured the Witch Museum because essentially it was calling for witches to be burned at the stake. And it reminded me that when we were at the Witch Museum in Salem, you know, we got schooled pretty hard on how much worse this stuff was in Europe at the time. And it was just not fun, but it it was, you know, a nice little throwback to something that we had all done. But yeah, I mean, this book is the real thing. And and some people say that it pretty much led to all of the witch trials that happened around the world. 
Speaking of Salem, we're coming up on the Salem Horror Fest, which is the first two weekends of October in Salem, Mass. Speak All Evil, of course, a, a proud sponsor of the Salem Horror Ooh. Fest. I don't know what you're laughing at over there. I'm just trying to get our plugs in here. Uh, there are still <laughs> tickets available. We will be there. We will be talking about it. We are very excited. So uh, don't forget, that's coming right up. So you, you got a hotel room, right? I don't want to get into uh, personal uh, specific details. Well I, did, well, I have my own bed is all I need to know. Well, we'll, we'll uh, tune in. Who's going to be right. the big spoon Find is what, what I want to know. I, de- I need as much room as possible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I will say my favorite part of this movie was when I had the subtitles on and the subtitle said, ominous whooshing. That was my favorite part, I think. Personally, well, I like how how uh, Doctor Wendell basically provides the soundtrack for the last third of the movie, like with her weird little keyboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got a whole rig. Yes, yes, that kind of reminded me of Come True. When whenever w- when in doubt, and you're doing one of these crazy type of movies, like uh, just have someone go to a soundboard and start pushing faders around. <laughs> That's when you know you're <laughs> tapping into some crazy stuff. I really loved the whole like Unabomber speech by Zach in this movie, which is. Very similar to another Unabomber speech given in the other movie. Mm. Uh, that that kind of is like the height of the climax where you get the whole rationale, the whole environmental aspect of like what the antagonists are doing here. Um, I thought that was pretty powerful, and I thought that went back into like some of the like folk horror elements of this. It reminded me a little bit even of movies like uh, Midsummer, where you have the tapestry in the beginning talking about the the legend mm. of uh, was it Parneg Feg who's like mm. the wooden uh, the uh, the woods witch or something like that um that I, I thought that th- that was one of the one of the other subgenres that this movie kind of dabbles in i thought that there was like some shining vibes some jack torrance vibes with his act when he has the axe and he's chasing after them mm-hmm. i thought there were so many sure. little things where little nods and tributes are paid to a lot of different genres in horror, and I, I, that's I kind of had this feeling when I was watching this that it was it was steeped in the in the history of horror, and even it was trying to do its own thing and do something new and different and sort of of the moment with the pandemic setting, and at the same time it was definitely hearkening back to tons of stuff to me. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Midsummer, you know, Zach talks about like when he's giving them their drink. Someone's like, you know, oh, like tastes like elderflower, which was a big thing in Midsummer. And Zach's like, you know, it's not elderflower, but same principles. Right. And I do, I do love Zach's like doomsday speech. But my favorite scene with him, upon like repeated viewings, is when he first gives them that drink, and he's just sitting there noodling on the guitar, and yes. just as they start to like feel the effects, <laughs> he yeah. just very calmly looks at them, and he's like, reassuring words, just being kind triggers a social response trait of trust i was like what the hell i love that that was a great like heel turn you knew it was probably coming but Mm -hmm. i loved how how this movie pulled that off it was really good it was a classic guy breaks out a guitar (laughs) mid-party and everyone's like well this is happening now well not quite as horrible as that (laughs) easy cat we've all all of your co-hosts have been been that guy <sighs> yeah, I like the I like the Parnug Feg thing a lot. Um, I thought that that was really what set this apart from the next movie we'll talk about. And and Wheatley tends to do this in some of his movies, get a little folky. So I like the fact that they had that, you know, the spirit of the woods, like a folktale design to keep kids out of the woods. And, and that was you know, made up, right? The- Parnag Feg was not part of like the Hammer of the Witches or anything like that. I think Parnag Feg was made up whole cloth for the movie. Yeah, yeah, as far as I could tell, um, I like the whole, like, oh, some kids might have gone missing in the 70s, and they blamed it on Parnig Fag. It's a little Blair Witchy there. I like that Alma and Martin come across, like, the tent, where clearly a family had been, because you have a bunch of kids' toys there. Uh, And I like that it really helped you explain Zach. Like, you know, I thought that the whole thing with Parnog Fag was to go to, like, the Hammer of Witches was saying uh, witchcraft is basically akin to us like not understanding nature i thought that was sort of how wheatley right. was tying yes. us in yeah saying yeah. like hey remember back in the 1400s we didn't understand people that might be a little weird but we also don't understand nature and we shouldn't just go out there recklessly trying to do so because nothing good will come of it 
Thus, to go all the way back to Kat saying that Alma is the only likable character, I thought that just the fact that she was the only character in the entire movie that kept looking out for not only her, but everybody's best interests. I think that's how you get to the ending. Whereas everybody else, well, all whopping three other people, were like literally bouncing between science and faith and blurring the lines. Like right. I thought that exactly. was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I thought that the the stone, the the ultimate, the, the big like communication stone that this being, this like earthly being is communicating through very much reminded me of like something like um, 2001 a Space yes, Odyssey, which we talked exactly. about back on our space episode. So just another element that I thought was really great about this. Uh, the only thing I'll mention from like a fact standpoint is that Clint Mansell did the music, and I love his filmography. You should look him up. He did like Pie, Requiem for a Dream, and then some, some maybe some more uh, commercial stuff like Murder by Numbers. But he also did Subject, uh, Suspect Zero. But he also did Black Swan, which we've talked about talked about on the show. So a lot of pretty like impressive movies from the dude that did the score. And I do I do love the score of this movie, even Olivia's bad keyboard playing. <laughs> second movie this week is Gaia, the 2021 South African ecological horror thriller produced by Jaco Bauer. Um, I love this movie. I watched this a little while ago. I actually saw that this premiered at the Salem Film Fest uh, last year, so it's exciting. Uh, and it kind of ties into our little trip coming up. Um, this is basically, uh, it starts off um, with this really cool upside down, like Stanley Kubrick kind of shot. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the beginning of The Shining. And then it's kind of revealed. It kind of kills it because it turns out to be just a drone being sick. Um, but it's a drone camera. And she loses her drone camera uh, in the woods. And the, these two, there's a woman and a man. And I, I wasn't quite sure like why they were there. They were park rangers. Right. Mm-hmm. So she goes to, and they, oh yeah, they, they're like just surveying the area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she goes to retrieve the drone and what she finds is some people living off the land. What you would find out would be mycelium worshippers. Yes, um, and yes. And they, they're these, the scientist and his son, um, are there um the husband is a widower uh they talk a little bit about the wife uh but the son has never seen civilization ever um and he's just living out there and this woman comes across them uh she basically like learns about this area and is torn between staying in this you know bucolic uh all natural place or or leaving um, and there's all these spores going through the air all the time. And there are these like very uh, Guillermo del Toro, like mushroom creatures. And yes. the mushrooms are like just taking over people. And it's like this spot uh, on the earth where like the oldest mushroom, the oldest organism on earth is like pre prehistoric mumbo jumbo. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's like really strong in this place. And so these guys are here and they, they worship this um, mycelium entity and but also are afraid of it. And then they have to like respect it. And it's this whole uh, this whole thing uh, where she gets to know these guys and, and their kind of adventure, like in a very avatar kind of way, like discovering uh, this part of the forest. What did you guys think? I love this movie. I was so psyched to see this. I hadn't heard of this one. Um, this is a rental right now, and it's a couple bucks because it's still brand new. Um, but I, I think this is our first South African production, 
we've ever talked about on the show. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Um, this was, I watched In the Earth first, and this was so similar, like such a perfect sort of like sister film to In the Earth that I just like kept getting more into the, the pairing uh, as I watched this, which I, I, I saw a couple times. Um, I loved Gabby. She's like sort of the Martin of this, although I think she has a, a better time of it, at least during the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, she does I, acclimate much better than Martin. Yeah, yes, um, for sure. But she does have some foot trouble, uh, mm. which, which was one of the many parallels. Also, though, she's lucky that I noticed she finds Gabby after her foot trouble. She finds a uh, a big stick that just happens to have like a V in it so she can use it as a crutch. And it's the exact same stick. I wondered if it was the same. I, I guess the first movie takes place in England, so it couldn't have been the same stick. But a prop stick. Uh, yeah, Martin also Dot found com. a stick with the exact like V in it to use for a crutch. So I thought it was interesting that neither movie thought it would be enough to just use like a, a walking stick. They both had to have the exact. It's the crush. same one. It's propsticks.com. You just go there. You just get a prop, a prop stick. It's a generic yeah. stick. Uh, speaking of retail detail, I did find the number of uh, nice new candles in the hut in the middle of the uh, South African forest. Right. I thought I was like, well, these guys are like going to the Christmas tree shop or something. On the <laughs> yeah, once every couple months, he said he goes out to. Oh, every. Oh, did he yeah. say that? Yeah. So you have like kind to of the your Christmas Zach tree shops. Yeah. <laughs> Bed, bath, and beyond. Because they're all like full candles, you know, they're new. And you can tell there's so much air on the set that they're all, like the candles are all burning at like three or three or four inch flames the whole time. But I thought this was a great eco body horror. I love this whole idea of like the fungus growing on people. Um, In the Earth didn't get quite that funky with it. Quite that fungus among us, as this <laughs> movie does, where you just like turn into a mushroom people have fungus growing out of their faces and they have spores like all over their body i thought that was so cool i love the uh how far this was willing to go with the with the body horror um again i thought all of the acting was tremendous in this this is another one with you know only four characters really in the movie in not a confined environment but it's functionally confined they're out in the middle of nowhere uh in this case uh, the south african forest um dave you mentioned the drone scene that that really hooked me right away because we've talked about like the cliche straight to streaming movie has to have the drone scene opening. You have to have a drone going yeah. over the town or the city, whatever it is. In this case, it's the river. You're like, okay, here we go, drone time. You know, of course you have to do that. But then it, it shows you the drone and then shows you the person flying the drone. And then that actually kicks off the whole story. It's not just like doing it because it's pretty the drone actually leads them into their whole journey here where they meet the uh the locals not exactly natives but they've kind of like fashioned themselves as native very similar i thought to zach's whole kind of thing in in the earth um this was a lot of fun i don't think this is like a lot of things although it draws from a lot of things i just i really got into the whole like trippy hallucinogenic fungus nature of this whole thing um this was a a, a great choice i would highly recommend this yeah david had been talking about this he he definitely saw this and was talking about it i never read up on it i just knew that it was sort of in the same vein as in the earth so i was really excited to watch it and I also love that the cover art for a beautifully shot film, you guys keep talking about the drone, the the fungus, the forest, the monsters. This is also just thank you. This is a friggin' straight up monster movie, you know, in, in some veins. But I love that the cover art used none of that beautiful imagery. And it's like this really black and red outline of Gabby with like the like blood coming from her eyes. So... I didn't know what to expect. I'd already seen In the Earth, and I love this. I, I do think I like this more than In the Earth, but it, it's not by much. It really just comes down to, like, you know, I guess just, like, a personal preference that uh, I like a little bit more of the characters in this. As much as I praise Zach, I do think that Carol Nell, who plays Berend, who is the father of the survivalists that are out in the woods, I think his performance is outstanding. I also think just having... Barrent and Alex Van Dyke playing his son Stefan, having them together for the whole movie. I preferred that to how Zach and Olivia and in, in the Earth were sort of separated. 
Uh, it, it just it, it made less sort of like thinking about certain character dynamics. Um, I just <laughs> the the story that this is trying to tell and and what it is what it I think ultimately does tell is a lot more straightforward, I think, than In the Earth. I, I, so maybe I could probably debate this and come back and say, no, I like In the Earth more for the folk aspect of it and the witchy aspect of it. But this one is literally just, look, not to compare this to The Happening, but which, thank God, we didn't pick this week, but it's like the Earth is fighting back I against let it humans. Happen. to mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. To, ta- to just take the Earth back. So... <laughs> You know, both movies talk about like the mycorrhizal fungi, and the deal with that is it's it's been around forever. It's a it, it's basically a mutual symbiotic association between a fungus and a plant, and the fungus will colonize the host plant's root tissues, and the association can sometimes be mutualistic and sometimes parasitic. And I like that at one point Baron says that this particular one seems to like Homo sapiens. And it's a very quick throwaway line, but it literally just is the entire movie. I also love the monsters. Again, this is another one like in the Earth that does a great job of using practical effects and VFX. The body horror is great, like you guys said, uh, and the acting's great. It's a four-person cast, but uh, it's really a three-person cast because one of our friends doesn't make it very far into the movie, and when he does, oh, it's man. also it's also a throwback to what we talked about on the dystopian episode, the girl with all the gifts. It's a throwback to the Ophiocordyceps, the zombie ant fungus that we talked about. Right. So this movie has aspects of that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is a great one. Visually, it's beautiful. I love the use of two two languages. Trent, I don't know if we've never talked about a South African production. You could be right, but we've definitely never talked about one where they use English and Afrikaans as the two languages. That's also very subtly brought in i love the fact that gabby just sort of like casually shows stefan and baron that she also can speak africans because she starts off speaking english uh and they start speaking you know afrikaans thinking maybe you know this this person from from society um i think we get just enough backstory and i think we get just enough of baron as like the zealot to really drive this home and also, I just really appreciate the fact that they show us that Baron really likes to hump holes in the ground. Oh. I love this one. <laughs> that was the worst part of the whole fucking thing. Great root humping. Obviously, I have to start off by saying it's a beautifully shot film. Very visually pleasing. Um, the opening scene itself where they're, you know, we talked about where they're, they pan over the forest and then show Gabby and Winston, you know, traveling down the river with both sides of this lush forest, you know, on the sides, it just sets up such a visually stunning film that even if the rest was terrible, it would at least have that going for it. However, I really liked this one overall. I like this one a lot better hmm. than Into the Stupid Earth uh, that we just watched. Damn. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It's probably hmm. the strobe lights, if we're being honest. But it might, so- might also be the plot. It might also be um, the characters. Um, I liked the whole like deliverance, like trapped in the woods with creepos, impossible murder vibes that it had to start off, you know. Um, but then it took that supernatural, like unhuman turn that I think really made the story interesting. That was super natural. Uh, so you've got the, these mushroom fungus monsters that look like something out of Last of Us video game situation, and they were pretty scary looking things. I'd say they were a little terrifying. I'd say they were spooky, if I were to be a, a describing person. Um, you've got this scary guy who worships the god that has made these things, and that's like a whole different creepy aspect that it's got going on. Um, He definitely comes off as some religious fanatic, and that in itself is also terrifying, I think, personally. I feel bad for his son, that he's like been made to live in this weird cabin with him for his whole life, with his perfect teeth and his six-pack just (laughs) being wasted out there with no one to see him. It's a starving six-pack. Oh, my God. I'm like, what what ab machine do you have out there? What dentist is out in the woods? Mother Nature has a good dental plan, apparently. Yeah. So eating worms. Mm. 
the gribs. Um, I think the scariest part, though, was the actual, like, fungus itself. Um, it moves so quickly to take someone over and infect them beyond repair. It's very wiggly and, like, just fast-moving, more so that you'd think a plant would move. Um, it's very reminiscent of, like, those, uh, like parasites that take over like ants and then like control them and have like those weird like funguses like sticking out of their heads i don't know if you guys have ever seen that um anyway um but it does make for a visually stunning image of a person just being taken over by nature you know whenever we see someone that's been taken over by the fungus they're basically one with the earth you know, they've got the uh, the mushrooms growing out of them. They've got, like, moss. They've got different, like, kind of vegetation coming out. It's just kind of, it's just beautiful. Um, especially that last shot of the woods where we see one of the characters kind of meet their demise. Then it kind of pans out from there and it kind of meshes with the the uh, the top of the forest. It's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, I also liked how there were these moments when you weren't sure if they were really happening, like you um, had also taken mushrooms along with these characters uh, and you couldn't tell if it was a dream or a dream inside of a dream or a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream or what. Um, it was just a trippy movie, but it still made sense to me and it didn't really overwhelm you like I thought the other one kind of did a little bit. I, I just liked it. I liked it a lot. It kind of reminded me of Portland, Maine in the summertime. Now we get like where we all live, we get these like weeks of like rain, like super humid, damp, muggy rain. It mm -hmm. just goes on and on, you know, like toward the end of July. And you start thinking like, ah, you feel like a mushroom. Like I am, mm -hmm. I, am I am fungus. I am growing. And that's what happens in this movie where Gabby starts growing <laughs> no. mushroom fungus on her body yeah well that's, that's kind of like what it feels like yeah and it's it's funny because she dreams all of these things that seems ahead of time and then sees them play out afterwards so that's like another interesting aspect it's like how is she knowing that these things are going to happen kind of a situation that's one thing that the two movies have in common is in both instances our gabby and our martin they're very like Baron in this one and and Dr. Wendell and, and Zach, like they're very interested in in what what they heard. And they always are they're at being asked like, what did she tell you or what did you hear? And they both kind of present them in different ways. I think we didn't really get into like the very end of In the Earth, but there's definitely I think a very profound thing that ends up with Alma. And in this one it's you know, I love that you mentioned that cat because you have to pay attention to this movie because there's several sequences with Gabby where you're like trying to figure out like, okay, was that the dream or was that the trip? And there are several instances where Baron is and sometimes Stefan are just like hovering over her and it's because they want to know what knowledge she was given from quote unquote God or Mother Nature or however they're viewing, you know, this this ecological entity. I didn't I didn't think that um what's his name? The Berend? I don't know how you say it. Berend. I didn't think he was really like that much of the bad guy in this movie. I mean he ended up being the bad guy, but I thought this was really like about this weird savior complex of Gabby where she ends up in this situation only because she's hurt and they take mercy on her and like help her uh, get back to health. And she could have left at any time. In fact, um, Baron tries to take her back to civilization. He knows how to get there. And, but she has like set her eyes on Stefan, the son, uh, the feral mm. son who doesn't know anything about the modern world. And he's not allowed to look at her phone. Baron gets very mad about put your devil horror electronics away. You know, like, <laughs> Son can't see that, um, but she decides she's going to like save Stefan, and she's going to make sure that he experiences McDonald's in his life and all this. <laughs> and has to go back to civilization. There was really nothing wrong with what they were just out there subsisting on the land and believing in what they believe in, which isn't really any more extreme, I think, when you get right down to it, than what anyone else believes in. Mm. But she had to throw a monkey wrench into this, and um, you know take this whole mission on them um trying to like i don't know convert them or something to a modern 
lifestyle, which they had already rejected. So I don't know. I, I thought that there were like differing um, sympathies in this a little bit. She wasn't like no, she mean, wasn't like some innocent knave out there. I thought she has. She probably had Instagram, and she knew like how many followers that he she could did. get. She with those abs, in, like, she was showing underwear. Stefan her selfies. You know all this really yeah. flaunting uh, no, in front of his I, dad. I, I, I you say know? that, and I kid. I I disagree. I because a lot of that happens after she finds Baron's manifesto. So we get some pretty hard Unabomber vibes. Another there. Unabomber, yes. <laughs> yes, we get some pretty hard Unabomber, but we actually get the, the the manifesto, not the hammer of witches. Right, yes, we get yes. we get an original work here, and I think after that is when she, you know, her empathy kicked in. Like I thought it was weird some of like the flirty stuff that they have between Gabby and Stefan because they don't appear to be like close in age. Mm-mm. Uh, I thought that was a little bizarre and a little glossed over, but I Mommy do think I understand the point of it. And I think it's that as soon as Berend notices that Stefan is taken to somebody from the outside world, all of a sudden the messages that he's getting from his god get pretty messed up. And mm. I think that Gabby was sensing that after reading the manifesto because they don't give us a whole lot. She reads like a couple quick passages. I think that what the, what was being implied is... She read it. She thought, I need to save this kid from this guy. And then I think it was trying to lead you down like a narrative of, well, as soon as Baron sees his son starting to have influences from the outside, all of a sudden, like his actions change and his what he's being told his mission is and what he needs to do changes. The eco movies always have uh, like the greater good kind of vibe. Right. So yes, it's hard to tell like who's right if it's, you know. Like you're gonna kill everyone on the train if you stop, or you're gonna kill yeah, five yeah. people if you that don't. Kind of reminds me of like Sea Fever. We talked about that same dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. I think I like the just the presence of mushrooms in any movies, just <laughs> makes it like unpredictable. Like what's going on? Like I think they're tripping. Like if someone has mushrooms at a party, someone's tripping. They <laughs> they don't just keep them in the pocket. Someone's gonna well, take them. I thought it was interesting. I didn't notice it until I think like subsequent watches, but what are the mushrooms that Baron keeps feeding Stefan? And then at one point he feeds him one and Stefan keeps it in his mouth and sprints yeah. back to the cabin to give it to Gabby. Right. Well, that's what she so asked for medicine. Yeah. So that's, I think what that is, is that's what's keeping the father and son from yes. contracting yes. this like fungal infection is that he's giving his blood or like somebody's blood to this weird tree mother right and she is then producing these mushrooms that will then you know keep them That's like their from vaccine. They exactly have to eat these mushrooms and so it's they don't their get booster shot fully, yeah yes. exactly yes. so they take it and so that's why he gives her one and then she sees that her little like leg little like spores are starting to like kind of go away a little bit <laughs> so gross it's so gross it's so gross i mean she didn't have to even come across this i mean he maybe eventually was going to need a human sacrifice he's just out there with his son anyway mm-hmm. Chances are, if the gods wanted a human sacrifice, his son's going anyway. Yes. Now she's in the mix. She should just be grateful that it's not her. I, I, I thought that, that the sacrifice thing came more from her threatening of their situation. Right. I, yeah, see, that's what I, I was getting he at. I think he was driven to do that by the outsider coming in, and he was getting jealous not of her, but of the attention you know she's taking of his son. But I will say... Because she did that weird mushroom trip that they made her do. And then the father was like, what did you see? And in her mushroom trip, she saw um, Stefan dying. Right. And so he's like, I know what you saw. And so I think that was kind of the kickoff point where he was like, okay, I knew it. I'm going to do this now because that, you but, saw right, it and I right. saw it. And so now this is happening. So I think it was like a combo. That was consistent with what she was already wanting to do. Was to kill him? No, to take the son. Oh, no, but in I, her- I kind of read that as like, you know, she was saying that, oh, your son is in danger. He needs to leave. You know, she was already wanting to yeah. take him. Sure. I, I read it the other way where it's like, well, he's going to die. You know? I was Unless just like, I this, him, this right? guy's yeah. going to bone yeah. that ant yeah. hole. 
Oh my god, that was <laughs> just. I don't ever want to see a guy fucking the ground again. Yeah, the only sex scene in this kind of unsatisfying. I thought at one point for sure that Gabby and Stefan. There were like two different points where I thought Gabby. I was ready. Mommy of the week was going to mm. take on her first student with Stefan. <laughs> uh, a little like Call of the Wild, you know. It seemed like it was in the air, mm. but never happened. No, just in her dreams. There was that that moment where. The monster came in and they fought it off and like his innards like squirted out all over her face and her <laughs> chest and he just runs over and just takes her clothes off like yeah. quick you need to and like she didn't even question it she just gets like, completely okay. naked um, that's a that's a good trick I'm not trying to be um, I'm not trying <laughs> to what's what's the word um, objectify any women on this podcast at all no. but. What a great pair of boobs mm. on this one. I Both will of them. say. Mamma mia. I will absolutely 10 out of 10 on those ones yeah. for sure. I thought it was kind of 80s in a lot of ways. Like the, the body horror reminded me of something out of like Creep Show. We've talked, I don't, I guess we haven't talked about Creep Show, but when the one, the story. The Stephen would, King one? Yeah, where Stephen King's character finds <laughs> the meteorite and it starts growing moss on him and his whole house turns into moss. To me. Jordy, uh, Yes, the yes. Legend the, of Jordy. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. To me, a lot of this was very, you know, straight out of that kind of 80s body horror thing. You're like, oh my God, this fungus growing on you. Did you guys notice that like the aspect ratio changed throughout the movie? No. There was one point where it just seemed like they just changed to a different camera for one shot and then back. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you can read about it. They definitely, I noticed it the second time I watched it during the, like, I guess I'll call it the action sequence as part of like the finale or the climax. And they go to like a 4-3 ratio. And it's very obvious if you're watching on like a big widescreen TV because there's this giant black bars and it's very square. Really? Um, huh. Yeah, they, they I guess what the director, Jaco Bauer, wanted to do was like sort of change the aspect ratio as the story moved along and uh it's it's really obvious and then you'll notice it after the action sequence yeah, at the abrupt. end it goes to like this like another wide angle and then for the for the very ending with stefan which i think this movie has such a great ending mm -hmm. such a great final scene yeah yeah uh, sure. again the aspect ratio changes so um, just another thing that I think that these directors are doing like Wheatley did with some of his visual effects and everything in that. Um, I thought, I thought that action sequence was actually a little bit weak. Um, the sort of the final showdown, if you will, between, um, between Gabby, Baron, Stefan, monsters, tree. I thought that was like a little, like, Poorly choreographed, I guess I would say. That's the only criticism I would actually have of this movie. But overall, I mean, if you want to look at, you know, like the score, if we're talking about like music, there were there were points in this movie where I felt like they were literally using like the crickets and the bug noises and stuff as like a beat or as like part of the soundtrack. And it was like really mesmerizing. Like if you listen to like how much they would pump through some of the sound design of just the natural sounds of where Baron and Stefan were living and where Gabby and Winston were, you know, discovering and, and obviously very disoriented. Um, but I, I thought all of that was great. I thought the score is more like Mushrooms 1, Humans 0. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't think we've ever seen a Death by Fungus before on the show. In this movie, we see, well, I would say 25 deaths from fungus and they're such great kills i think we can rank these as like kill scenes you know we talk about the effectiveness of certain kill scenes in these movies the fungus has a great way of taking people out where you start growing mushrooms out of your face and you're like attached to the fungal earth until your body just is like totally taken over it was kind of like it was kind of beautiful both both deaths in this from the uh the fungus were like almost pretty where there are there are like mushrooms and and growth that almost uh look like flowers and they're they're colorful and they're so you kind of have this like this beauty this hallucinogenic but very natural of the earth kind of beauty to these deaths uh we've definitely never seen anyone impale themselves mouth first mm. on a spear before winston 
I don't think it's really a spoiler. Gets to choose his death. Uh, he's being turned into a giant fungal unit of some kind, and uh, he just is offered a spear to his mouth, and he decides to take that offer, and he moves, he just spears his mouth onto the spear until it comes out of the back of his very soft fungal head. Mm. That was like a powerful scene. I just but, thought the beauty of both of those deaths were great. kind of didn't like that because I wish that he was like uh, wanting to be, like I, if, I was hoping the mushrooms when they took you over <laughs> would, you know, do something to your, your brain so that you don't feel the pain. And it's, I, it looked like an enjoyable death until that scene. Yeah, thank you, Dave. I, was, I sort of was bummed about that too because I thought that it, it lost an opportunity to maybe have Winston come back as one of the monsters at the end but still have some sort of defining features where mm. Gabby could have recognized him. And I thought that could have been powerful because I'm assuming that's what happens unless you get the spear to the mouth is it takes you over and turns you into one of these, like, plant creatures. Yeah. I have a little bit of a spoiler quandary mm. that mm. I would like to ask of the three of you. Sure. If we can move into a territory where uh, I, the the answer is going to kind of give away the fate of the characters in each movie in the Earth and uh, Gaia. Um, but I was I couldn't help but think, when I was watching both of these, because they're so similar... I couldn't help but kind of like think about who's who I would rather be, Martin from In the Earth or Gabby from Gaia, because their experiences are very similar, but like one seems like it's way, way more painful than the other. Did you guys like ever put yourself in the in, in the place of either of those protagonists and think about who you would rather be? I, I, I more put myself in the place of Alma and Gabby when I was watching these movies. Yeah, but what if you had to be Martin or Gabby? <laughs> I mean, I guess based on outcome, I would go with Martin. Cat? If I got to touch those six-pack abs... Well, he was in a choice. And have that... He's well, not a choice. I didn't it's say... Yeah, but you he have was to a be choice. Martin or Gabby. I know, and Gabby definitely oh. touched... Them six-pack oh, abs and had some hands yeah. wrap around her neck a little bit what in about a sensual you, way. Would you rather be Martin or Gabby? Um, for physical looks reasons and not moral reasons, I'll be Gabby. <laughs> so Kat and Dave, you guys would both rather have a better time and die more peacefully, yeah. but not survive. Yeah, li yeah. live Gabby fast, dies. That's what I'm own. gunning for in real life. Um, Interesting. Personally, so. Well, Martin lives. Martin has the much more torturous, horrible time I can't even imagine living it seems through, but so he survives. Much more stressful to me. Yeah. No, you the, know? Guy, the whole Gaia death had a very like avatar, like yeah. into the earth. It was peaceful, yeah. right? Spiritual kind of thing. Well, like, it seemed attractive to yeah. me, actually. I don't know. It, it kind of seems like she obviously was begging for death at the end. She's like, just fucking put well, me yeah, out. Well, yeah, because she's turning into a mushroom. Yeah. And I think he does so. It was kind of like, you know, left off the rails of whether or not he did he did that for her. I think he did, personally, watching it. Um, well, I just think so. it's interesting because if you could choose to avoid that much pain, as much pain as Martin goes through, it's not clear, like, what his condition is at the end also. I mean, he is... He seems to be conscious, but it, it is somewhat ambiguous how it ends. You just know that he lived. You don't know, like, what his condition is, but... I, I just thought it was an interesting kind of idea about like whether you would want to endure such unspeakable pain for so long and, and like what condition you would be in if you would take that route or if you would just take the peaceful fungal death and drift away and not have to go all, you know, through all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Spore Martin. Never thought I'd hear someone say, if you would just take the peaceful fungal death. <laughs> But so if we're if we're in spoiler territory, here's the thing with Martin that might make people and myself rethink. Martin choosing. from In the Earth. Martin from In the Earth okay. is he just went through all that and he survived. But when Alma comes back and says to him, "Let me lead you out of the woods," I think what they're getting at in In the Earth is whatever pandemic is happening. It has something to do with what this whole region of nature is doing to the rest of the planet. Because in the movie, they talk about ringworm and like Martin had it, Dr. Wendell, Olivia had it, and so did Zach. 
and Alma did not. And all of them seem to be sort of like hypnotized by this mycorrhizal fungi cluster, whatever's happening. I think what's happening is that at the end, Martin survived. But I think when Alma shows up that she is, if you want to get into Wheatley's like folklore thing, she's possessed or she is Parnag Feg or whatever. She's leading Martin out of the woods because they keep saying like his flesh is special. I think he's going to spread like the end all to the rest of society. Like, let me get you out of the woods so you can go spread this to everybody. Nobody is surviving this pandemic. I think it gives you a hint as to what the pandemic is. You mean you mean plantemic? Plantemic. Is that what you're talking? Plantemic. Oh, there it is. <laughs> nice. I love both of these. I'm super excited about both of these movies. I would recommend either and both. I think you should watch them like together over a weekend. Consider these movies a package deal. Would be my recommendation. Should we tell them they just stare at a tree and meditate or something? Though I mean, in the spirit of these movies. No. What you should look up is the Anthropocene, which. Baron mentions in one of his like crazy tirades. Can you get some? And the fact that the movie Gaia is named after the Gaia hypotheses, which is named after the Greek goddess of Earth. But both of them have very, very climate change impact. What is the Gaia uh, hypothesis? The Gaia hypothesis named after the Greek goddess of Earth. It says that basically Earth and its biological systems behave as a single huge entity. And the entity has closely controlled self-regulatory negative feedback loops that keep the conditions on the planet within boundaries that are favorable to life. 